Welcome to the Alcohol Minimalist Podcast. I'm your host, Molly Watts. If you want to change your drinking habits and create a peaceful relationship with alcohol, you're in the right place. This podcast explores the strategies I use to overcome a lifetime of family alcohol abuse, more than 30 years of anxiety and worry about my own drinking, and what felt like an unbreakable daily drinking habit. Becoming an alcohol minimalist means removing excess alcohol from your life so it doesn't remove you from life. It means being able to take alcohol or leave it without feeling deprived. It means to live peacefully, being able to enjoy a glass of wine without feeling guilty and without needing to finish the bottle. With science on our side, we'll shatter your past patterns and eliminate your excuses. Changing your relationship with alcohol is possible. I'm here to help you do it. Let's start now. Well, hello and welcome or welcome back to the Alcohol Minimalist Podcast with me, your host, Molly Watts, coming to you from, well, it's a sweltering Oregon right now. It has been hot, hot, hot. We are... Well, I'm loving it. I don't, most Oregonians are beginning to start grumbling and wanting the rain and all that. I will say that it's May and like a, we've, we've already, you know, we blew out records over the weekend. We were in the 90s, hottest days since the 1970s. And plants here are not really used to long hot streaks this early in the season. So we're already seeing, at least where I work, some some of the flowering trees and stuff. They're looking pretty dismal. <laughs> and so that's not good. We don't want that, but, and I'm appreciating some really nice warm weather here in the Pacific Northwest. It's been a minute since I've done an episode for the Alcohol and series. In case you're not familiar with it, this is a series that I started back near the beginning of the podcast. Episode number 14 was the first in the series. And to date, there are 19 episodes in the Alcohol and series. This is number 20. If you listen on Spotify or YouTube, these episodes are pulled together, at least on YouTube, they're up to date. Spotify, I'm having a challenge trying to, I might have to create a second playlist or redo it all together. I don't know. Anyways, um, I've recently updated all the titles uh, with the ampersand sign, the and sign. So if you at least, I don't think you can search for it, at least backwards in Apple Podcasts, not on your phone. But you can scroll backwards through the episodes, and when you see that and sign, it will be a cue that that is one of the alcohol and series. This series has a combination of solo episodes and also some great guest episodes, and it focuses on some of the bigger subject areas that alcohol impacts. The first episode was alcohol and anxiety. And still today, this is probably one of the biggest areas where I believe educating people is so important. So the Alcohol and series is a great way to quickly go back and touch on some of these bigger conversations if you want to check them out. Today, I'm adding a topic that is definitely worthy of a bigger conversation. We'll be talking about alcohol and motherhood. As we celebrated Mother's Day last weekend, it dawned on me that there's a lot for me to share around this topic, both from a personal perspective, as well as the narrative surrounding mommy wine culture. And I think we'll start there. The messages we receive from society about alcohol and motherhood. 
Now, stay with me, gentlemen. This episode may help you understand your partner's or your own mother's relationship with alcohol, or even shed some light on what you're feeling with regards to drinking. And it's already got me thinking about an episode for next month about alcohol and manhood, not just fatherhood, which will be part of it, but the whole drinking bros kind of mentality. Uh, So coming next month, stay tuned. You've heard the phrase, I'm sure, mommy wine culture. And what does that really mean? There's no official medical or cultural definition of wine mom culture, but you probably recognize it when you see it. The term wine mom is generally used to refer to a mom who drinks wine as a way to cope with parenting. (laughs) She may make fun of or make, you know, make light of her reliance on wine, but she also uses it as a way to bond with other moms. And there's no doubt that the role of the internet in the growth of the wine mom movement can't be understated. Enabling the internet has enabled a proliferation of memes like, you know, you've seen the most expensive part of having kids is all the wine you have to drink, right? We see things like this all the time. Behind the cheeky wine glasses and this internet enthusiasm, mommy wine culture may stem from a desire to validate the struggles of moms and to build community. Sharing the message that mommy needs wine is perhaps really just an attempt to say that being a mom is really hard in a more socially acceptable way. It also, though, perpetuates the idea that alcohol is a solution for overwhelmed, isolated caregivers, which can really be harmful for parents and for their whole family, right? It's things like Moms Who Need Wine Facebook group and or a wine glass that simply says Mommy Sippy Cup, um, a baby's onesie that says Mommy Loves Me More Than Wine, a throw pillow that says Mama Needs Some Wine, or a t-shirt that says Surviving Homeschool One Breakdown and One Glass of Wine at a Time. All of these seem to be kind of tailor-made, right, for moms and also probably even more so in the last couple of years during the pandemic when many stressed out moms experienced, you know, things like daycares and schools being closed. Obviously, I think the mommy wine culture got got steeped up a bit during that time frame. All of these products seem to be screaming that wine is really the way to cope with motherhood. And here's something I want you to know. Although similar products exist for dads, a simple search on Etsy shows that there are over 67,000 wine mom products, while less than 25,000 exists for dads. Now, I don't know if that's because more women shop on Etsy or what, but you see the point. It's not exclusive to female caregivers. It seems to be targeted. The wine mom culture seems to be targeted towards moms, specifically as a means of coping with child rearing, house cleaning, and upkeep, and their own work. Obviously, taking care of children can be stressful, tiring, and anxiety-inducing. And mommy wine culture kind of offers a chance to escape responsibility, relax, socialize, and have me time away from those demands. It offers a funny and 
quote unquote, normal perception of drinking rather than a shameful, unhealthy or problematic one. Rather than looking at their alcohol use as dangerous, wine moms may see it as an acceptable way of dealing with parenthood. Now, unfortunately, as you likely know, as because you, you're here listening to this podcast, relying on alcohol or another drug to dull your stress can easily become problematic. Did you know that the term mommy's little helpers is a common nickname for Valium? I did not know that, <laughs> but it is. And it was actually used in a song by the Rolling Stones back in 1966, referring to them. And Valium, in case you don't know, is a class of psychoactive drug that is often prescribed to treat anxiety, insomnia, and seizures. And it can also be abused to create a quote-unquote high. So interesting, mommy's little helpers, right? The messaging back in the, even from the 1960s. So why has mom culture still grown in these past few years? Well, COVID certainly has had an impact. Um, a 2020 study by Rand showed that women have increased their heavy drinking days by 41% compared to before the pandemic. In addition, numerous studies and reports note that since the pandemic, women have been doing the majority of household chores. They're being pushed out of the workforce at shockingly high numbers, and they are taking on the bulk of remote school duties in areas without in-person learning. It's no wonder that right now, wine mom culture, or at least in the last couple of years, became increasingly prevalent. Some experts, like Sally Chung, who is a clinical psychologist in Bellevue, Washington, believe that the wine mom trend grew because it pushes back against the idea of the perfect mother who has it all together. You don't have to be the mom who has her stuff all figured out. You just have to be the one who has the ability to keep going and, you know, quote unquote, run on coffee, wine and Amazon Prime. <laughs> the, all the memes and jokes resonate with many mothers who are trying to live up to impossible standards, right? Humor connects people and the stress and judgment that women feel is another stressor that they want to escape from. Drinking or using drugs is one of the most common and accessible outlets for stress relief. Humans have always sought ways to alter our consciousness and get numb after a hard day. And the jokes around mom wine culture normalize this basic human instinct. While these messages might increase consumption in the population, it also simultaneously chips away at the idea that moms must be perfect. And that is something that's worth understanding. It's a dual solution, right? Not only is it, it in people's minds reducing stress and anxiety, but as a mom, we're chipping away at this idea that we have to be perfect, which is driving the desire to keep doing it, right? Moms use the memes, the t-shirts, and the kitschy coffee mugs claiming it's five o'clock somewhere as justification for their own drinking. Even after someone begins to question if their drinking is excessive or feels like they want to change their drinking, 
the message around mom wine culture can actually help keep them stuck in the pattern of drinking to deal with the pressures of motherhood. And wine mom culture tells women that that's okay. Wine mom culture says that the best and the only way to be a mom is with a glass of wine in your hand. Parenting is unbearable and brutal without the mommy juice to ease your t- ease the tantrums, the messes, the lack of sleep, the lack of sleep and the overwhelm of it all. As an alcohol minimalist and someone who's working to change your drinking habits, you are likely able to see the dangers of the mom wine culture, especially for women who are drinking well beyond low risk limits. What I think is an adult society we tend to overlook is the dangerous messaging we're sending our children. Mommy wine culture tells a story about parenthood and children are often quick to pick up on those stories. This story tells that while parenting is precious, it's also unbearably awful. And that because children are so fill in the blank here, active, clingy, demanding, annoying, exhausting, boring, parents are desperate to escape. The more time a parent spends with their child, the more they need alcohol to cope with it all. This story is probably not the story you want to pass on to your children. That being a parent, that being with them is just the worst, that they are the reason you drink. The belief that alcohol is the only option when you can't physically run away. These are ideas that become a part of their core beliefs as they grow and become adults. You all know I'm a science girl, and that is why I am so proud of my partnership with Sunnyside. Sunnyside has great data based on their user experience, and they also have great science techniques behind what drives the program in the first place. Users of Sunnyside in their first 30 days experience on average a 29% reduction in drinks. They avoid 1,500 calories and they've saved over $50 each month. This is because there is science behind the program. Sunnyside helps you reach your goals and stick with them long-term by focusing on three scientifically proven superpowers. One is pre-commitment. You intentionally make a plan ahead of time, and we talk about making a plan all the time here on the podcast. Number two is conscious interference, and you'll learn that the habit of tracking each drink helps you decide about it. Number three is positivity. We know this is not easy sometimes, right? And we all need a little boost. I try to be a boost, and Sunnyside is a great boost via text message or email to keep you motivated. So, If you haven't already checked it out, I invite you www.sunnyside.co slash molly to get started on a free 15-day trial today. And I think that's a great segue for me to discuss some of my personal perspective on alcohol and motherhood. I asked in my private Facebook group this past weekend, What did you learn from your parents about alcohol? And here's part of what I shared. My mom, as most of you know, struggled with alcohol use use disorder for most of my life, but it was an unspoken, undiscussed topic for a lot of it. Um, Mom's little secret, which wasn't a secret at all, especially as she aged and drank more. 
Hiding my mother's drinking led me to want to hide my own misuse. I didn't see it as just a habit that I could change, but a problem, a character flaw, and shameful. When I say that I hid my own misuse, I want to be clear. I wasn't hiding bottles or drinking beers in the garage or binging in the closet kind of hiding. I simply hid the anxiety I felt, which was ever-present, and the total quantity, which was excessive, with a veneer of what appeared to be a successful life. I worked, I had a family, I had friends, and from the outside, no one really questioned my alcohol use. I didn't look very different from the rest of my friends, except possibly I will say that my dad questioned it because he simply didn't like to see me drink at all, and he did worry about the consistency of my daily beer drinking. I assured him all the time I was nothing like my mom because I didn't drink to the point of being intoxicated or altered. And a side note here, at that point, of course, I knew nothing about, I didn't pay attention to blood alcohol content, and I certainly didn't know about uh, the impact of alcohol on my neurotransmitters. So this idea that I wasn't drinking to be intoxicated or altered, while true in my brain, wasn't actually true in my neurochemistry, right? I simply gauged not drinking to the point of being altered as what if I started to notice myself, if I started to slur my words or feel altered, that was something I wanted to avoid. I'd stop drinking because I never wanted to appear drunk. That's also something I learned from my mom's drinking, by the way. I really hated it when I could tell she had been drinking. And it wasn't hard, <laughs> especially as I got older. Even though I'd call her in the morning trying to avoid later in the day when she'd definitely be inebriated, I could tell in an instant when she'd been drinking. And it was so disappointing. That's what's, what's funny, right? It was disappointing, even though I it knew it was going to happen. Um, every time I'd hope, there was hope that she was going to be sober when I called. And, you know, to this day, I still don't enjoy talking to people who've had too much to drink. And so that was one of these delineating things for me. I thought I, if I wasn't like her, if I kept it in this box, then I didn't have a problem. It didn't need to be addressed. It didn't need to be changed, right? Now, I have a lot of old war stories about alcohol and my mother. I have images and flashes of the past where I was really upset by her drinking. And when I started doing this work, one of the core principles that helped me so much was the simple idea that the past only exists today in what I think about it. And quite honestly, I just don't choose to hold on to the painful stories any longer. I can reflect on them now with love and compassion for a woman who simply didn't believe enough in her own strength and power to handle her emotions. I remember my mom once told me that it would take years of counseling for her to overcome her drinking. At that time, I dismissed it as the ranting of a drunk woman. I was in my 20s, and all I wanted was for her to stop drinking. So I was 100% focused on the action of her drinking. Now I can wonder why I didn't say when she said it would take years of counseling, why didn't I say, great? then let's do years of counseling if that's what you need. Or why I didn't wonder what that meant. Why did she believe she needed years of, of, of counseling? Those are questions that I still don't have clear answers on, and of course, sadly, never will. 
but it's important to understand that at the time, right, that I was so focused on her just not drinking anymore. That's all I cared about. And I didn't want to do the backwards work. I didn't understand that there was work to be done on her thoughts and her feelings. And if I had understood that better, you know, if we had understood that better, if we had been able to help her more understand that, that she had that power, why not spend years in counseling if that was what it was going to take, right? I want to end this episode with a more upbeat message. And it goes back to that messaging that we were talking about earlier. As a child of an alcoholic mother, I can absolutely tell you that for many years, I believed that my mother drank because of me. I believed that I was the cause. Now, I know better now, but I want you to think about what feelings that kind of story created in me. When I think about that and the idea that I possibly passed on a part of that story to my own kids, like they were the reason that I needed to drink, wow, that is not the message I wanted to send or wanted them to ever hear or believe. And that is, I think, really why I'm so proud of the work that I do here and the fact that I am rewriting my mother's legacy. If you are a mom, if you are over drinking, you can change that habit and be an example of what's possible for your kids. I want my kids to know that life can be tough, but they are tougher. I want them to know that emotions can feel challenging and they are capable of feeling and doing hard things. I want them to know that they can practice being better thinkers and managing their minds. And I absolutely want them to know that they don't need alcohol to change how they are feeling. I want them to know that anyone is capable of rewriting their own stories and changing their lives and being an example of what is possible. All right, my friends, that is all I have for you this week. I hope that something I've said resonates with you. As always, you know, take something, take a piece and use it to fuel change in your lives. This is a path. It's a journey and it is a process, but you're capable. Start now. Start today. Start this week. Every choice is a chance and you have the opportunity to create the life that you've always dreamed of. Until next time, choose peace, my friends. Thank you for listening to the Alcohol Minimalist Podcast. This podcast is dedicated to helping you change your drinking habits and to create a peaceful relationship with alcohol. Use something you learned in today's episode and apply it to your life this week. Transformation is possible. You have the power to change your relationship with alcohol now. For more information, please visit me at www.mollywatts.com.